All right. Um, pretty clear video, yeah? Um, it's an American video, but it still makes sense for us. Um, gives us some perspective um, on things that we're going to give our lives to and spend our time doing. Um, I'm still not quite sure if it's depressing or inspiring. Um, if you're depressed by it, know that at least you have like eight more years than I do left. Um, so that's good. But there's some crazy numbers there, right? There's 23 years of our lives are going to be spent asleep. 12 years at work, doing a job. Five years spent just eating. And then that last little section, that was seven years, all right? Seven years left over to do what we want. So what do we do with that time? Um, Well, he gave us some suggestions, learn an instrument, hang with friends, and by far the worst suggestion, go on hikes. I couldn't think of anything worse. It's just glorified walking. You're literally wasting your time. So, I don't know, I hate hikes, if you didn't realize. Um, But it's crazy to think, right? All we have is seven spare years, and that's if we're lucky enough to live to 80. We have a lot less time in reality than we think. Life is limited. We have 80 years of mostly already decided time, and then we die. Is that really all there is? And if that's true, we need to do a whole lot of living before then. We've got to get going. Life is short. Let's live it up while we can. Does that sound familiar? I reckon that's most of how people think. Um, They want to live that way. How can I have the most satisfying life possible? What's the thing that will make me most happy in life? What is it that you're searching for for life? How are you going to get that deep, lasting satisfaction? Is it going to be experiences? Um, Are you going to plan to travel, experience the world, get cultured, go find yourself in Europe, jump on a plane, jump off a plane, create amazing memories? That'll satisfy you. Is that what you're going to do? Is that what you're going to use your seven years on? That's done right. What does that work? I don't reckon it does. It's a bit of a cycle, the more you think about it. Because you'll always want more. You'll always be going after the next thing, the bigger, the better, the riskier, the most impressive experience. And on and on it goes. It won't work, yeah? It never fully satisfies. So, if it's not experiences, maybe we'll be happy when we get all of the stuff that we've wanted, yeah? We say things like, if I just had that house or that car or that body, that'll be enough. Just a little bit more money or that new iPhone, that'll make me happy. I'd be content then. But it's the same thing as the experience one, right? When we get it, it's never enough. There's always that new iPhone, the new fashion that comes out, and we want more and more. So what is it? How do we get this answer to this? Well, surely it's got to be good relationships, right? And there's something to that. Good relationships are amazing. They bring us heaps of joy. But even then, the perfect relationship doesn't exist, does it? People let us down all the time, and we let them down. Even the people we love most, we hurt each other all the time. Plus, we always seem to be wanting more friends, or we want everyone to like us. Relationships are good things, but even there's something in there that's broken in them too. For instance, what about... Those of us who never find that special someone, that sucks, right? What if you never get married? What if you don't have a boyfriend or girlfriend? 
What if that relationship that you put everything into ends up being real messy? No, that isn't where lasting satisfaction is found either. Now, bit of a bummer, right? Bit of a bummer way to start. I've just told you how life sucks, pretty much. And it seems like all the things that most people chase in this world are either a little bit broken or they won't fully satisfy, yeah? Everything in this world, even the good things, are tainted with a bit of disappointment. And so what hope do we have? Well, tonight we actually get a bit of an answer to that. Um, Have a look at verse 17. We'll start there very quickly um, and see what God says. He says, See, I will create new heavens and a new earth. The former things that will not, will not be remembered, nor will they come to mind. You see, this life isn't it. We can't think of this life just as a simple math equation like they did with a bunch of jelly beans and lots of numbers and years. God has promised something bigger and better. Something completely new that will be so good, we'll forget about the even best experience that we had in this best experiences we had in this life. Don't you want that? To forget about the stress and pain of what we're going to do in this limited life and instead be excited by that limitless time um, in somewhere new and better. Don't you want that? But there's a warning there as well. You'll miss out on this if you're not paying attention to God. So we're going to look at two things tonight. Um, that God is telling us in this passage, and it's this new and better life looks awesome. Two, how can we be sure that we get that new and better life? Um, Hopefully you guys will see that there is real hope and deep lasting satisfaction, even though this life does sometimes seem a bit hopeless. Um, So I'm going to pray quickly that God will help us see that. So pray with me, and then we'll get stuck in. Father God, I pray that you would give us clear hearts and minds as we come to your word tonight. I pray that you'd help us think um, well about, um, yeah, our lives and eternity and where we fit into that and what things are most important. I pray this in your son's name. Amen. All right. So, first up, get excited for what's coming because God tells us that this new and better life looks awesome. That's the first point. Check it out again. So go back to verse 17 of chapter 65. See, I will create new heavens and a new earth. Stop there. What God has planned for us is a new earth. Heaven is going to be physical. It's going to look like something. It's going to feel like something. It's not going to be this weird, ghostly kind of place with souls floating around. It's going to be a real, tangible and physical real, tangible, and physical, like earth is now. But it's also going to be a place that's so different to now. It'll be new and better. And keep going through the passage. Let's go. Next verse. But be glad and rejoice forever in what I will create. For I will create Jerusalem to be a delight and its people a joy. It's going to be a place of joy for those who are there. And keep going. I will rejoice over Jerusalem and take delight in my people. The sound of weeping and of crying will be heard no more. While this life causes pain and loss and loneliness, God's new earth promises there will be no more grief, no more pain. Keep reading. Never again will there be in it an infant who lives by a few days or an old man who does not live out his years. The one who dies at a hundred will be thought a mere child, 
The one who fails to reach 100 will be considered accursed. People are going to live full and happy lives. There'll be no more loss or fear of things coming to an end. Time to do all the things that we want to do and not have a concern again. Have a look at verse 21. It keeps going. They will build houses and dwell in them. They will plant vineyards and eat their fruit. No longer will they build houses and others live in them or plant and others eat. People will have safety. They'll have security. They won't have to worry about other people taking what is theirs. They won't have to worry anymore at all. And it keeps going again. For as the days of a tree, so will be the days of my people. My chosen ones will long, will long enjoy the work of their hands. They will not labor in vain. In this new earth, that work will no longer be a chore. It will be fulfilling and it will be rewarding. So if you're looking at putting all your satisfaction in your career in this life, don't do it. Wait for heaven. That's where the rewarding work is going to be and where you can enjoy it fully and it's actually going to mean something. Are you getting this? This picture of this perfected world? The way it was intended. So different to the one that we actually know now. Now, and some of those changes, they might seem pretty small and simple, but it's this depiction of this amazing peace and joy. It's a, a picture of every aspect of life healed at its core. Spiritually, we're healed. No more disobedience towards God. No more evil. Instead, we'll serve God perfectly and joyfully. Relationally, there's no more self-centeredness. So community between people is healed. No more racism, no more cliques, no more violence. Physically, no more sickness, no pain, no disease. Instead, restored bodies that are not affected by those things. Mentally, healed. No more anxiety, no more depression. Environmentally, restored. Never to be polluted again or to deteriorate again. Don't you see? Every part of life that we know is going to be made new again. And, and don't think of heaven and this new earth like God is just going to renovate some bits and pieces um, that were going a little bit wrong in this world and then make them good again. He's not going to do that. No, he's completely knocking this world down and starting over. But this time, with only perfect building materials, they'll never break They'll never get worn out, never get polluted or stained, but will forever be better than before. It's going to be a place where the brokenness that we know of life because of our sin will be fixed forever. That's crazy. I don't know about you, but I find that hard to imagine. But that is the future that you see there in Isaiah, that the Bible holds out. Um, that's either going to happen when we die or when Jesus comes back. I want you to take two things away from that straight away. Get excited for what's coming. It won't disappoint. It won't be anything like this life, but something will be, but it'll be something that truly satisfies. And second, don't settle for this life. Don't make this life your home. Be ready for the one to come. Stop obsessing about this life and trying to make it perfect. Your friends, your popularity, your experience, your job, what you can and can't afford. 
There's a, there's a place coming that has all of those things, but none of them is broken. You see, we, we, got, we got this world, we got a view of this world so wrong. When we see bad things in this life, we think that it's actually not that bad. Life's still pretty good. It's like being served up this delicious bowl of soup, right? Um, and it comes out and you're like, great, going to enjoy this. And there's a hair in it. And you're just like, oh, take the hair out, see you later. No biggie, just pick it out, keep going. That's what life's like. But really, what we don't realise is this world that is dished up is actually dished up terribly because of the way that sin has broken it. Life is more like our delicious soup that comes out to us with a massive poo in the middle of it. Yeah? And what's crazy is we look at that poo and we go, I'll just keep having some of my soup. I'll eat a bit around that. The soup's still good. Let's keep going. Don't settle for this world that is broken. Don't do that. It's not our home. You don't want the pooey soup. What God has promised in this passage is what we should care about. Um, But I haven't even got to the best part yet. Um, And that's our restored relationship with God. That's going to be the core of what heaven's going to look like. I want you guys to flick over to John chapter 14 for me. John chapter 14, verse 3. Um, and we're going to have a look at what Jesus says. At this point, he's um, just talking to his disciples about heaven and what heaven's going to be like. All right, John 14, verse 3. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. What's the emphasis on there? Well, not on what it's like, not on where it is, but it's on who it's with. It's with Jesus. And come over, flick a couple of pages to your right to John chapter 17, verse 3 as well. Um, here Jesus is praying to God um, in, some, in front of some of his followers. Verse 3, chapter 17. Now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. What is eternal life? What's heaven going to be like? It's being with God and knowing him. It's not just talking about knowing God like knowing your favorite celebrity like Kylie Jenner, knowing that she's a billionaire, knowing that she's had Botox. You just know a few facts about her. You don't actually know her, right? Eternal life is being with God and knowing Him, being in relationship with Him. You know Him and you're known by Him. At the very heart, that's what heaven is. Now, relationships, they normally get better with time, right? Knowing someone for five minutes, that's pretty good. Then you know for five years, that's even better. And then compare that to 50 years down the track. How deep and good is that relationship going to be? Now think about a restored relationship and perfect relationship with the God of the universe. Stretching into eternity. How good is that going to be? So much better 
than any relationship that we could hope to have here and now. Um, that sounds pretty dang good to me. That picture that Isaiah and Jesus have given us of what is to come sounds awesome, right? But can we be certain that that's our future? Can you be certain that's your future? So second big point, how can we be sure we're going to get that? Now, I reckon you, if you ask most people around the coast this question, will you go to heaven after you die? You're going to get one main response. you probably get a few different ones, but one main one, yeah, why not? I've been pretty good. If God is there and he actually does know everything and he's been watching my life, he would have actually seen I've done a pretty decent job. I've been good to my family. I've worked hard. I've made a few little mistakes, but everyone has, hasn't they? Now, the assumption there is going, yeah, I deserve to go. I'm a pretty good person. But is that right? Do you? Do I? Do we deserve to go to heaven, to that picture that Isaiah just painted for us of what he's gonna, it's going to be like? Well, come back to Isaiah chapter 65 with me. But we're going to go a little bit earlier, go to verse uh, 13, so just before the passage that we read. All right, so Isaiah 65, verse 13. Therefore, this is what the Sovereign Lord says, My servants will eat, but you will go hungry. My servants will drink but you'll go thirsty. My servants will rejoice, but you'll be put to shame. My servants will sing out of the joy of their hearts, but you will cry from anguish of heart and wail in brokenness of spirit. Now, that passage comes just before the one that we, we read earlier. Um, and God is speaking um, about who's going to receive these epic things, including this new creation, this new earth that's coming. And who is it? You see it pretty clearly repeated there. It's my servants. It's God's servants. It isn't just your average coastie who thinks they go all right. Um, I can almost guarantee not many people around the coast think of themselves as as servants even. Um, But that's who's going to inherit eternal life, God's servants. So how do you get to be one of that crew? How can we be sure that we get eternal life? Well, on our own, we can't. We've got no hope. We're actually stuck. Um, it's not a position that we can earn with God for ourselves. Left to ourselves, we turned our backs on God um, and we found ourselves cut off from Him, out of relationship with Him, dead to God, deserving of, of His judgment. And God knows that. Um, And despite who we are and how we treated him, he actually provides a way back for us through Jesus. It's going to come up on the screen, but check out what Jesus says in John chapter 5, verse 24. Very truly, I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged, but is crossed over from death to life. That's it. If we hear and believe Jesus... We've got it. You're restored back in a relationship with God. No longer dead to Him, but alive. 
But what is that word? What's the word in there that you need to hear and believe in? Well, let's go. We were in John 14 earlier. It's going to come up again. But verse 6 this time. The word is, Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That word that we need to hear and believe in is about the cross. Jesus comes to earth and dies in our place. The perfect sacrifice. Taking God's judgment and punishment owed to us for our sin on himself. Paying the price so that we can be forgiven. The way to God is through forgiveness, not by doing anything except trusting in Jesus and what he's done for you. That's not even it. Not only does God save us and give us the promise of heaven, but God has saved us for a better purpose. You might have noticed that servant language. We get to be servants to the best master ever. Now, that might not sound great, but it is. Think about it like this. So, you get home from a long, hard day at school. It's rough, right? All you've been able to think about all day was a peanut butter sandwich. That's all you wanted. You've been stinging for it. Um, So, you grab out your peanut butter. You whip out a knife. Um, you go look at the butter in the fridge and you leave it because you're smart and then you know that you don't need butter with peanut butter. It's in the name, all right? Now you whip out the bread um, and you slap on some of that peanutty goodness and you're loving it. Your mouth starts watering and you take a bite. Oh, the bread, it just scratches all the way, all the top of your mouth, your throat, you gag a little bit. It's stale, all right? Stale bread, the absolute worst, right? Afternoon ruined, it's a write-off. You're not coming back from that, all right? The bread, and the bread can't fix itself either. The bread's just sitting there stale, can't do anything. Is it a write-off? Well, you sit down for a minute, you have a thing, you have a genius idea. You can fix this, right? That bread, you can repurpose it, all right? You can give it another purpose, an even better one. What are you going to do? You're going to make a toasty cheese sandwich, right? Or French toast, even better. And you celebrate your genius. This is amazing. You make both of them. You feast. You have the best afternoon of all time. So good, yeah? What the heck does that have to do with anything? Well, (laughs) you, me, we're the stale bread. Weird, but... Good for nothing. Stuck in our staleness, our sin, being the worst. For by Jesus, God whips us into something new, with a new and better purpose. Servants of him. We get to serve the true and living God, which is what we're made for. That was our purpose all along. We're brought back into a restored relationship. And there's a good order in that relationship. God is the master, is the head over us, and us as his servants. Now, if you're not a servant of God, you need to do something about that. Right now, you're staring down an eternity of missing out on heaven. And that sucks, not just because of how good the thing that you're missing out on is, but also because the alternative to that is so terrible. Do something about that tonight. Make a step towards investigating that more. 
It's too important to get wrong or to not even care about. So do that. But if you do have God as your master, if you are his servant, um, you know where you're headed. In a way, you know your future. It's the best. Um, And you can have three things. Confidence, comfort, and purpose. One, confidence. You can know that you have a sure and solid hope that will actually satisfy you. That's coming. Comfort. Knowing that no matter what happens in this life, you have a future in store for you that is fully restored. Everything made right and new. A future with your God. Three, you have purpose. This broken world, it's not your home. Don't spend your limited time, those seven years, those seven spare years, living for yourself. Spend it doing something worthwhile. Spend it serving your God and working hard to see more people become servants of your King as well. That's it. I'm going to finish there. Let's pray. Father, I want to thank you so much for what you've done um, through your son for us. You've given us a way to come back to yourself when we were um, utterly stuck and did not deserve it. Um, And you've given us not only um, that, not only salvation from our sin, but you've also given us hope into eternity. Um, I pray that we wouldn't take that lightly or take that for granted. Um, We would use the limited time we have left on earth for you and for your glory um, and for your good. I pray that we would serve you and be faithful servants of you. I pray that if we haven't put our trust in you, um, for those of us here that haven't done that, that you would um, be showing us that it is actually the truth, Um, that we'd be considering those things um, and making steps towards that. Because ignoring it is not going to leave us in a better position. Pray I listen to your son's name. Amen.